Man, our passion has to be, Lord God, I am ready to hear from you. Whatever you say, you impress upon me what your word needs to shape me with. What do I need to know and go after? I am praising and worshiping you. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping with y'all. And uh, it's great to have you here in this service live. And maybe you're joining us live stream. Great to have you that way as well. Man, we are going after Jesus Christ. It is all about him. It is all about making his name lifted up as we take our strides step by step right? And so we're talking about what it is to have a John 15 life. And in this series, we're going through God's Word. The title of the series is Obey, Valuing God's Word. May we obey God's Word. May we hear God's Word. May we look to God's Word. And may we allow God's Word to shape our hearts and change us as we follow after Him. So we've talked about a number of different facets of the Word of God, of the Bible. And here's a few words that we've put to it. The Word of God is trustworthy. The Word of God is perfect. The Word of God is true. The Word of God is fully sufficient. Like, there is, that is a powerful description. Fully sufficient. That means we don't need anything else when it comes to being equipped to good works, when it comes to being transformed by the Holy Spirit, the Word of God and the power of God, and that's it like fully sufficient, eternal and priceless. Like there is a timelessness to God's word. It it extends over time because it is the character of God true in every generation, eternal and priceless. Let's say it this way. We've talked about this over the last couple weeks, but sin keeps us from God's word and God's word keeps us from sin. It's a huge deal that we grasp that sin does keep us away from God's word. It sort of stirs the soul towards self. So as we walk through this world and the world is pressing in on our soul, the world is trying to sell us something and get us to grab on to that, how do I value God's word? How should I respond given that this is what God's word is? Over the next few weeks, we're gonna be talking about application. How can I apply God's word? How can I go after it? We're going to start here today, all right? So if you notice, the title for today is God's word is timely and clarifying. Like we're going to talk about what it is to have the Holy Spirit revealing in our lives to be able to grasp this world better because we have God and his word working in us, all right? So if you want, turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4 as we go after point one here. Point one, meditate. Meditate on God's word and teach people, really of all ages. Meditate on God's word and teach people of all ages. For sure, teach our children, our families, and all the way up. May there be a discipleship as we spend time meditating on God's word, processing what does God's word mean? What does it say? And then going over that throughout our day, throughout our week, God Teach me what you'd have me to know, all right? So let's start in Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4 here. And uh, as we start out, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Let's hold right there. 
So as this passage starts out, this is Moses writing, and he's talked about the Ten Commandments coming up to this. So he's talking about the commandments, the laws, the Word of God, and being able to follow and be obedient with. And as we now jump into verse 4, he's giving the challenge about those commandments and about the guidance from God's Word. He says, hear, O Israel, like hear this, listen to this, make sure that you're grasping this and responding to it right? Like, you know, when you're talking to somebody, you say, do you hear me? You're not asking if the sound of your voice has hit their eardrums, right? You're asking something much deeper. You're like, do you hear me? You're like, do you grasp what I'm saying? Are you ready to comprehend and go after it? And that's what Moses is saying here. He's like, hear, O Israel, like to the children of God, to those that were following God, he uses this call out here, listen to this, follow this. Now, just so you know, in the uh, Jewish culture, this is actually called the Shema. And the reason it's called that is because the word here in the Hebrew is really the word Shema, okay? So that's where it comes from. And so this is a Jewish call out, a Hebrew call out, asking for the children of God to follow after their God, to trust in him, to worship him with all they've got. The Shema, it sounds like this in Hebrew. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. There's this massive call in the midst of it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. So he calls out, hear, O Israel, the Shema. He says, the Lord our God, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Remember when it's all caps like that in the Old Testament, that means the personal name of God being used. So the name Yahweh being used. He's like, hear, O Israel, Yahweh, the one who is from eternity past to eternity future, the one who does not depend on anyone else for his existence, the one who is in and of himself existent forever, Yahweh, the Lord, and then notice he says, our God. Like, this is my God. I know the God who exists from eternity past to forever into the future. This is our God. He's like, listen and respond to this God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God. We can count on him. And then he says, the Lord is one. Now this word one here, for sure meaning just kind of there is one of, there's not many gods, there is one God. So speaking to the number, there is one God. But more than that, also addresses the oneness of God. Like God is all about unity. God is all about pulling it together. And so while you have our God who is one, there is one being, but three persons, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And these three persons, perfect, absolutely complete, same character amongst all of them, and in complete unity. The Lord our God is one, one being, and then oneness, one amongst the three persons of the Godhead. There is this massive togetherness. And as we hear about the one being and the three persons, you might be like, I don't don't know if I really get that. I'm not sure if I understand that God. And I'll just say this. Well, that's kind of a good thing. Like the last thing you want is to be able to say, my God, oh yeah, I totally get him. Like everything about him, he's like kind of, you know, 
He's about the same size I am. I completely understand my God. That would be a bad thing, right? Can we all agree with that? And so our goal is to be able to grasp little bits of the massiveness of our God. Yes, he is one being with three persons. It says in Genesis 1, as God calls it out, that they're going to create, and he says, let us create man in our image. Let us, there's a plurality. And so the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit coming together to create man. God is sharing a part of who he is with us. So we can grasp part of God, the piece that's shared out, the image of God stamped in and all of that, but know this, God is so much bigger than just us and all of God's people said. It's huge that we grasp that. The Lord our God is one. He is one in nature, one being, and oneness is a part of a massive unity amongst the Godhead. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This was a big deal to state because as Moses was stating it, he's like, listen, children of God, children of Israel, our God is not like the gods of these other nations where they have little g gods all over the place, polytheism. And these gods even disagree with each other and they fight with each other and whatever stories they tell about what these little g gods may think. And that's not ours. We have a God who is one monotheism, one God, one being, and unity is his massive goal. This is our God in absolute perfection. The Lord is one. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You shall love the Lord your God, love like sacrificial, all in, you putting the whole of you on the line. This even more than just sacrificial, even submissive, you putting yourself underneath him, like I'm caring for you, you matter, you get my attention and my worship. The love that we give to our God, pouring out on him, it says, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. With how much? All, hold nothing back, right? He's not like, you know, love him a little, love him with some of you. I mean, you know, you can save stuff for other things, but you know, he's not saying that. He's like, with all your heart and soul and might. These are ways of describing the inner being, our heart and soul, like the whole of what's inside of me, the passion, all of my desires and my thoughts and my motives, everything in me that is all about living in life, God, may I give that and live that for you. All of your heart and your soul and your might. Hold nothing back. This is like all in. Everybody just say all in. He's like, make sure you are all in with your God. Your God is stunning. He is amazing. There is none like him. May we be all in in the worship of our King. As we go after it, may we be faithful, faithful to our God, faithful to his word, faithful to his promises. May we be faithful and following with all we have. And, um, you know, I was diving into this this week and I ran into this uh, fact. I didn't realize this, but around the time of Moses, when he was writing these details, they call this actually this wording, this terminology, very similar to uh, what's called a vassal treaty. 
a vassal treaty. So like when there were treaties made amongst people, the kind of the winner and the loser, right? And the wording that would be made in kind of committing yourself to sitting under the leadership of the other, use the similar terms. Like we will put our whole heart and, and soul and might into serving you. You're in charge. So he's using a vassal treaty kind of terminology. It probably put a smile on their face as they saw it, as he could see a little bit of the referencing that was going on. He's like, listen, we are servants. He is the king. Like he gets our whole. We pour it in. May we give him our all along the way. Then he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall teach the laws, the commands, the word of God. Teach diligently in your home, in your family. Teach diligently to your family. Teach, like to explain, to model, to, to guide by example. That's teaching. First you live it by example, then you explain it, right? Example and then explanation. That's a huge way to teach where you're getting the clarity across, where there's an obviousness to how you're living, and then you're making it clear with your words as well, teaching along the way. He says, teach them diligently. That word diligently means daily, regularly, thoroughly, completely, intentionally, faithfully along the way. These are the concepts. Make sure you pour it all on with teaching those around you. May your family get that you're going after Christ with all you've got. May your family get that you are holding nothing back. And may you call your family saying, let's do this together. Let's run hard together. Start to teach the truths of who God is in their life in so many different ways. Teach diligently your children and this is a huge deal. As we talk about families, especially in this day and age, man, make sure you are beginning to make clear what God's word says, what God's word says about who our God is and what he calls us to. This world is beginning to teach us to teach clearly, just do whatever you feel. And just so we're clear, what God's word says is what we're called to here. Teach diligently these commands. I'll say it this way, just a little shout out to dads and then to moms. Uh, dads, uh, yes, work hard. Work heartily as to the Lord. Yes, that. And go after it with all you've got. Working through the day is a big deal that you show a massive diligence in your work and work ethic. But it's more than just working hard. It's also about as you come home. And some of you might be like, I know, I know. It's work hard and play hard. And well, yeah, sure, fine. You can play hard as well and enjoy some, but know this, it's also about pouring into your kids, spending time with your kids, having time of laughter, having time of learning, having time of making things clear. Man, make sure, dads, that you are invested into your home. And please be careful. I hear it too often going the other way. I'm so invested in my home that I won't work. And not that either. Everybody say, not that. Man, work hard, and if you want to have a play piece, even including your kids in that, and pouring into your kids as well, may God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. and moms, same thing, working heartily, 
whether it's in the house or outside the house, working heartily as to the Lord, making clear where you stand. Moms, you have nurturing hearts, which is a gift from God. And being able to nurture into your home and care into your home in a huge way. Being able to care as they learn the little things of life, right? Learning how to toddle along, learning how to say a first word, learning those pieces. But more than that, also teaching about who your God is. Holding nothing back about your worship and your faith, the hope that we can have in him. And this is a huge deal to be able to teach diligently of our love for Jesus Christ and calling our family to do the same. And all of God's people said, it's a huge call. He says, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, like when you're doing anything, right? When you sit, when you rise, when you lay down, when you get up, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, make sure you're making it clear what you have thoughts of about Jesus. I'm just telling you, part of your goal needs to be, I wanna make sure my kids have a strong theology, that they know and understand God, that they know and understand how God is working in this world. To be able to talk about little details, whatever it is, maybe you're cleaning up the house, and you're just teaching like, this is how we handle the things that God's entrusted to us. And so come and help and let's do this together. And God's entrusted and we're saying thank you, Lord. And we take care of what God's given us. And you walk that along as a statement. And even what we do is worship, right? And, or maybe you're going out in the backyard and it's time to go out and garden or whatever. And as you go out in the backyard to garden, you're like taking your kids out with. And you're like, look, God made the sun. The, the heat that comes out, God made the water, God made these plants that we're gonna plant and you're teaching of God as creator over all and you're teaching and walking them along a path that they can see there is a God that I am to sit under and this is who my king is. And then at the same time, you're like inviting them to join with you as you guard, you know, you hand them the spade and, and they ruin everything. And then when they're done, you can fix it up a little bit, right? Like the reality is us doing life together with our families, teaching of a God who is invested in and we're following and worshiping him. This is a huge call out. And all of God's people said, our family's on fire for God Almighty and for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just wrote this down. Four ingredients for helping your kids grow in Christ. Four ingredients for helping your kids grow in Christ, all right? Number one, uh, consistent truth. Consistent truth. This is like the words from mom match the words from dad, which match the word of God. We all speak together as one voice. Consistent truth. It's a super huge deal that the words of mom and the words of dad and the words of God Almighty all come together in a match. And as you teach that and there's consistency in that, man, does it help kids to be able to get it. Whether they're this big or this big, being able to hear consistency starts to make more sense. It is a massive deal for us to go through life with consistent truth in our home. And, and you guys know the deal. Like, if mom, you, you put the hammer down, you're like, here's the way it goes. The first thing the kid does is go off and test dad. Hey dad, what do you think? Can I do this? Of course, you don't start with mom said no. You just say, dad, can I? 
and then dad is tested. And dads, just so you know, the best answer you can always give is, what did your mom say? (laughs) Right? Where are we at with this? What's going on? And let me talk to your mom. There will be one consistent truth. And all of God's people said, huge deal in the home, all right? Consistent truth. Second, a safe environment. A safe environment. Not a shaming environment. Not a hurtful environment a safe environment, a place where there can be learning and laughter and growing, where there's not a knocking down, there's not a beating up of sorts, but instead there's a safe environment. Consistent truth, safe environment. Number three, a loving relationship. A loving relationship. Being able to nurture and care, to be able to guide Make sure your tone matches the task and you are bringing it together in a kindness along the way. A loving relationship. I'm just telling you, kids thrive in a loving relationship. Kids thrive in a safe environment. So being able to manage those pieces as you walk along is a huge deal and guiding to a truth in the midst of it, massive. So consistent truth, safe environment, loving relationship, and then number four, repeat, 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 right? Make sure you are always repeating what you're talking about. You're getting it clear along the journey of the day, along the journey of the week and month and year. The more we repeat, the more it becomes obvious. And it's huge. We use it as a teaching method all over the place. It's a teaching method in this church. Repeat, 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 right? Like, it, it, we have a very clear message that we try to send on a number of fronts. Here's one. Everybody just fill in the blank. Ready? God has a God has a plan. And we talk about it all the time. And we talk about the clarity and the sovereignty of our God. That is a repeat, 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 repeat. May we all grasp that God has a plan. Same thing in the home. Going after it, like may we make a clarity a specific statement, may we repeat it often, may we love gently and bring along the path, and may our kids learn along the way. Just so you know, the the things you teach are gonna get more and more advanced as the kids get older and older, and that's great to be able to make clear of the, the detail of your God in the journey, all right? Huge deal. That said, uh, we have kids in our home, obviously, that uh, grew up, and we now have Megan and Alyssa who have gone out and gotten married. Praise God for that. We love the relationships they have, and Grant and Mac, a a key part of those uh, families there and raising them, and love what God's doing. And we now have uh, three grandchildren, so both of our daughters have Uh, between them, the three grandkids, so three grandsons in our lives. And so we love being able to spend time with and to learn with. And I'm just telling you, there's been a lot of progress culturally and all the rest in being able to teach parents how to teach their kids. 
And uh, we've been watching our grandkids learn things and watch our daughters take approaches. Even some of the things that they'll use for shows to be able to walk through with them. It's amazing what these shows do. And, and I won't use names. I won't get into that. You can disagree and want whatever ones you want to go after. But I'll just say this. There were some shows like very specific where the tone choice that was used was so gentle and so kind. There was a wrapping of the tone along the way with all of a sudden they break into a little song piece and the song would be used and bring I'm not saying you have to sing every day in your house. My wife did, but you don't have to, right? I'm not saying it has to be song, but they would use song element just to keep the attention. They would use specific colors on the walls because kids at a little, little age were attracted to it. But kids at an older age, different color set. Actually, more words, less singing, a little more detail in the learning. And I was amazed, like my little one-year-old Valor grandson is sitting there just riveted to one of these shows. And uh, he loves to just all over the place. Like we're going all over, he's playing, he's throwing balls, he's slamming it in the hoop and just having a blast with it. It's just a little over one years old. And, and uh, all of a sudden he's like, nope, he's watching TV with this show that just got turned on. And I'm talking to him and I say, hey, Valerie, what do you think of? And he's like, don't talk to me. You know what I mean? Like I'm riveted. I, I, so I let it go, it's kind of funny as we're watching it. And then I, I tapped him on the leg and I said, hey, Valerie, and he goes like this. Like, stop, man, my attention is here, right? And I'm learning and, I'm, and they were teaching how to say a word and it was a very sweet little moment and as we got done with that moment and turned it off, then he jumped up and we started playing together. It was a blast to then start repeating those things and watch him say that what was just being said. Unbelievable learning moments to just take time and that's just learning how to say the word ball or whatever, right? Now turn that over to the things of Jesus Christ. To be able to take time to make it clear in a safe environment with a lot of love and a lot of sweet tone as you teach of the greatness of your God. May our families teach diligently. And all of God's people said, huge deal, man. So simple question. So how are you doing it being consistently truthful in your home? How are you doing it, everybody having the same tone and the same message and it all matches up with God's word? How are you doing with having a great relational home, safe and loving? How are you doing at having a gentleness and a regularity diligently in the teaching of who Christ is and what God is saying about your life? May we celebrate our King. His name is Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen. amen, amen. Point number two, this one we're jumping passages. We're going all the way to 1 Corinthians chapter two, all right? It's not a typo. So we're going to a new passage. 1 Corinthians two, and we're gonna tie the two passages together in just a second. 1 Corinthians two, verses nine through 13. Point number two, as the Holy Spirit convicts, value the Bible as rich and deep. As the Holy Spirit convicts, value the Bible as rich and deep. Just so we're super clear as we talk about the family unit in our home and us teaching of who our God is, so we also have the Holy Spirit working in our lives and in the home that is the children of God, the church, and the Holy Spirit doing a massive work in it. 
So here we go. The context starting right before verse 9 as Paul is writing this, he's talking about a secret and hidden wisdom of God. He's talking about the fact that the world doesn't really get what Jesus was all about. In fact, they so didn't get it that they thought the fix to getting rid of Jesus was taking him to the cross and crucifying him when in fact that was the very fix for all our hope. Jesus Christ dying and rising again, covering our sin. They didn't get the plan. They didn't get it at all. And so now we pick it up in verse 9 as we take off from here. He says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man has imagined. He's talking about the gospel message and he's like, look, man doesn't just develop this thought on their own. They're missing it. They're not getting it. They weren't getting it at all. And they were clueless about it. Man is not even coming close to comprehending what's going on. Just so you know, this few words here, probably uh, echoing Isaiah 64, verse 4. Uh, probably a loose quote from Isaiah 64, verse 4, if you want to say it that way. Uh, some will have some different thoughts on that. But the wording very close to Isaiah 64, 4, is it talks about this truth not being able to be recognized by man, not getting what God is doing. It says, what God has prepared for those who love him. Like they were missing that God prepared for those who love him. Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, stepping into this world, went to the cross and died on the cross and rose again because he loves you. Because he loves me. He died to cover our sin and to give us amazing hope for the future. He died to give us life eternal. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more heartache, no more death. He gave us this hope. Our God pouring into our lives. Your God loves you and is pouring it in with all he's got. He has prepared for you a hope and a hope eternal where when we lose a loved one, while it is deep hurt, and massive grieving, we can grieve with hope. Everybody say, with hope. Man, that's the promise of Scripture. That's the hope of our God, and it's the hope that the Holy Spirit brings as he communicates with us moment by moment with hope. It's a huge deal that we grasp that penalty is covered, and joy and celebration and perfection can be had forever that we can look to our God and know that he's right here with us in this broken world and he is taking us home to glory where it will be stunning, awesome, perfect glory forever. May God get all the praise. And this is our hope. This past week has had a lot of heartache in it and, um, you know, actually this past year. And uh, Tim Beck a uh, name that many of you may recognize. Tim Beck passed away a little over a week ago. And uh, Tim was wrestling with cancer over this last year, year and a half, and, and uh, just a hard journey. Passed away just a little bit ago, and we had the visitation on Friday night and the funeral on Saturday. And uh, Tim, just so you may maybe put a connect together, Tim is one of the guys who I worked with very closely when we were going through the Revelation series, Tim was the artist who did a lot of the drawings for us. And so a lot of the artwork that we had in all those Revelation books, that was Tim that was drawing those. And, 
And uh, man, just a huge, I love, his heart for worship and his heart for learning was amazing. To be able to talk with him about an image that we were going to draw and for him to be like, I'm being digging into the word and I'm, I'm taking a look at it and I see, is this the big point? This is what I'm seeing in the passage. Am I missing it? And should it look more like, or does that make sense with? And as we're talking it through, he's got a worship going on in the middle of drawing so much of what we had for all the rest of us to then gain worship as we went through the Revelation series. And man, as truths about who Tim is were shared at the funeral, just statements made about his person, about his toughness and his love for the Lord, his willingness to hang in there. He wasn't a complainer at all in the midst of it. And uh, Tim's statement at one point was like, I just, Jesus has his hands around me. He's holding on to me. And, and, and it's been going on for a long time. He's caring for us right now. God has a plan. And this, this is an amazing statement being made by somebody who's wrestling through heartache and hurt with a family and taking a moment to say, I worship the God who has an eternal plan. My hope is not in the here and now. Man, please don't make that mistake where we start trying to make this broken world be our heaven. It's a terrible, everybody say that's a terrible plan. Man, our hope is in eternity. Our hope is in Christ at the center, us worshiping him, pain and sin gone, God gets all the glory. As Paul was writing it down, he's like, just so we're clear, that hope shared to us by the Holy Spirit himself, God preparing it for those who love him, for those who are saved. This is our hope. And all of God's people said, he says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit making it clear step by step as we pour into God's Word and He reveals little by little what He wants us to know. It says, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person? He's like, listen, we get to know the thoughts of God because we know the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit sharing out who God is and what God thinks. I'm not sure we get that big enough. Like there is no way to know what God's thinking except that God shares out. And the Spirit knowing the thoughts and the desires and the motives and all the rest, the Holy Spirit revealing out. So we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and God the Holy Spirit pouring into us. Here's what the Father's thinking. Here's where we're at. This is how it rolls. This is what's going on. Holy Spirit in our lives, pouring in in a huge way. It says, so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. He's like, just so we're clear, the only one who can say what I'm thinking is me. I know what I'm thinking. God obviously knows what I'm thinking, but I'm the only one who knows what I'm thinking. You can't say you know I'm telling you and that's where it's at. And he's like, just so we're clear. And so the spirit of God is revealing what God is thinking and this is where he stands. Hang on and wait for the Holy Spirit to step in to reveal from God's word and to shape in your heart. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God. We are not receiving the spirit of the world. Everybody say not. 
We are not. Like, let's stop acting like we have to respond to what the world says. We are not receiving the spirit of the world. We are receiving the spirit of God himself. Know this, man. When we are saved, when we admit that we are a sinner, when we believe that, we're risen, or that he is risen and we confess him as Lord, when we are saved in that moment, Holy Spirit takes up residence in our soul, in our spirit, with us. We are not alone. It says in 1 Corinthians that the Holy Spirit takes up residence and we become like a temple of God, the presence of God with us. If you are saved, spirit with you. And spirit now communicating to your spirit, here's the thoughts of God, making known to you what's happening in God's thought and where it's taking place and using God's word to make that clear. When we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, we have hope. Your God is with you. Your God loves you. Your God is walking on a journey with you and he has not left you out in the dark on it. Hang on. The Holy Spirit communicating with your spirit through the word of God and what you need to know. He says, so that, right, purpose statement, so that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Look, he's teaching us. He's walking alongside of us. He's revealing daily and regularly the Holy Spirit with you. You are not alone. When you are in a world of heartache and the Spirit knows that you have no words to even say, it says in Romans 8, he cries out and groans on your behalf. Holy Spirit groaning for you, communicating with the Godhead. This is where this one is at. You are not alone. No matter what you are going through, God loves you and he's right here with you. And not only is he communicating your hurt up to God, he's communicating God's thoughts and plans down with you. It says that he might make these things understood, the ones that are freely given by God. Lord, teach me what I need to know about you and your plan, you and your thoughts. It says, and we impart this word, uh, and we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. Everybody say not. Like it is not about one guy trying to be really smart. Let me give you a few thoughts from my perspective and that's the thing that shapes our life. Not that. Like every week when we open God's word, we go word by word and phrase by phrase through God's word, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Allowing the Holy Spirit to say, this is where I'm at with you. It's been amazing. Even in the last week or two, I've had people come forward saying, I'm telling you, I've been going through some things. Haven't said anything to anyone, wrestling with it. God, I don't know which way is up and how to go after this. And all of a sudden, as you open this up and you started walking through the passage today, I was like, that's what I need to hear. And it was things that had already been echoed by others. And, and all of a sudden, they're walking away with this understanding as the Holy Spirit is tapping on the soul saying, this is where your God is at. Hang on. Hang in there. Man, I'm just telling you, the power in this room is not some crafty, wisdom-creative guy. Not that. The power is not in us saying, you know what? I've got this great magazine article. Let me read it to you and let me talk about what it says. 
Not that. Everybody say, not that. No, man, this is God moving through his word as we take time word by word. And we let the Holy Spirit move in the room as he so sees fit. Our God working in us, may we truly be taught and raised up in him. And all of God's people said, he says, no, we are taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Interpreting spiritual truths like the Holy Spirit making clear what God's word says. Please hear me, it is about God's word. Be very careful when you say interpreting spiritual truth and all of a sudden you start making up wild symbolic other things. Be careful, God's word. What does God's word say? What is the Holy Spirit revealing about it? He uses just simple, plain sense read. It's just take it for what it says. What does God's word say? And be blown away with God, what God is walking you through and to. He says, interpreting the spiritual truths to those who are spiritual, to those who are saved. Everybody say saved. Spirit teaching, us being shaped, as we're taking in what the Holy Spirit is saying, may God get all the glory. Let's just put all this together in one sentence and summarize it for the day. We have the hope of God's word. We have the promise of God working with us. We have the call of us working as a family and the promise of the Holy Spirit with us and his word to be used. So here's what I wrote this week. A church on fire is when God's spirit impresses God's word upon God's people. A church on fire is when God's spirit impresses God's word upon God's people. That's a church on fire. May we go after that. May we be that. A place where God's spirit is impressing God's word upon your soul as a child of God. Man, our passion has to be, Lord God, I am ready to hear from you. Whatever you say, you impress upon me what your word needs to shape me with. What do I need to know and go after? I am praising and worshiping you. And these are huge moments as we daily, regularly listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Our call is to praise the God who is above all gods. And all of God's people said, let's pray. 